Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. On today's show, we have a range of topics to discuss with two special guests, Dr. Jen Mangrum, Democratic candidate for state superintendent, and Catherine Truitt, Republican candidate for state superintendent. I'd like to thank them both for their willingness to run for office and spend time with us today sharing their ideas, vision, and plans for the future of education in North Carolina. Their contributions towards education in the state are much needed for our democracy. We are so pleased to be joined by Dr. Jen Mangrum, who is an associate professor at UNC Greensboro and also our Democratic candidate for state superintendent. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to see you. And we'd like to start off with a big question because we know that North Carolina faces many challenges in education. And I'd love to hear more about what you see as the top three issues that you will want to address if elected to be our next state superintendent. Well, the first one I think is probably universal and that is the equity or the inequities between schools. Um, we need to use the Leandro case and the West Ed report as a playbook you know, on how to move forward and be successful. Uh, just a real quick story, my father, after a career in the Marine Corps, got his GED, his college degree, became a fourth grade teacher, chose Bell Fork Elementary School, a school high in poverty and predominantly kids of color. And that was the first time in the 70s I learned about inequity, right? I was there not too long ago before COVID and, and said that, and someone said, it still is. So we're talking 50 years later. Um, so inequities among our schools within our districts too, but, uh, across districts, but within districts needs a lot of focus. So that's something that's very important to me. Um, I guess second, I'm very interested in early childhood. I have a master's degree in early childhood and I'd like to see us even working with babies. Uh, we know the first thousand days of a child's life is most critical to their brain development. And so if you're in a zip code that's, that right now predicts outcomes that aren't good, I'd really like to start as early as we can with babies and their families. There's a woman in Durham that does book babies. And what she does is take 10 books to six month olds and help their parents with literacy and phonics and phonemic awareness. And the children, there's a study after five years have a hundred books in the home and are so more prepared for kindergarten. You know, we need to be thinking about those children and how we prepare them. So they walk into kindergarten ready to go. And also, I don't know if it's three, I probably didn't do them in right order maybe, but um, professionalizing education as a career. Um, I have a lot of support from teachers and educators because I am one, but they have been devalued and not trusted and disrespected. Uh, and their job has become more and more difficult, particularly during the pandemic. Uh, so I really wanna do whatever I can to professionalize it and make it a career that, that young people say, I wanna do that, like I did when, when I went into teaching. Well, that's actually a great segue into our next question because we do know that teachers are the number one school-related factor that affects student outcomes. And we hear a lot about our teacher shortages here and nationally, but also about teacher pay gaps. And so could you share more about what you would propose that we do to address these challenges related to teaching? Well, we have to raise the wage. And so uh, Governor Cooper suggests uh, the national average. That works for me. Uh, but also, you know, students, when they step on campus, that's when we got to grab them. At maybe a high school cadet too, but when they stop, step on a college campus. Right now, if you're um, a freshman trying to decide what to do, if you go into chemistry versus chemistry and science education, you're going to take a 25% pay cut. Uh, so we really need to just get out there in colleges and, and raise the wage and then give them 
good reasons why this is such an impactful and meaningful uh, career. Right. And I know one of the things that you already referenced was around the work with Leandro Case and specifically the Leandro Short-Term Action Plan. And we know that'll be something important in the coming months and years. And I'd love to hear how you might prioritize those areas that have been identified through Leandro. Obviously the, the teacher, the great teacher in every classroom and recruitment, because we do know how much they impact our learning. Um, principals impact teachers, right? Whenever you go to a school that's doing well, there's a great principal. I've, I've never been to a school that's, that, uh, you know, is doing well in spite of leadership. But funding will probably come up throughout this conversation. We have to fund, and we know that, and I shouldn't say fund, we need to invest, because we know when we invest in education uh, that good things happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's out there in the research. And so to say that we just can't throw money, we're not throwing money. We want to be efficient. We want to be effective, but we have got to invest in public education. So that one would probably be my priority. Excellent. Um, and I wonder if you'd like to talk a little bit more because we do know that our state right now is approximately 3000 below the national average when it comes to per pupil expenditure. And um, I'd love, do you have other thoughts about how um, the current state of that actually affects students, teachers, and schools across the state? Yeah, so I'm going to put it in a way I haven't shared before, but I co-founded the UNCG Teacher Leader Collaborative. And in that, it's the STEM Teacher Leader Collaborative. We help teachers in high poverty schools teach engineering to elementary students. It's magnificent. Go to uncgtlc.org and you'll see our videos. But in order to teach that kind of rigorous, engaged um, instruction, you need materials. We provided professional development. I knocked on doors and got sponsorship. We bought the materials and gave them to them. But we can't have world-class education on minimum paper, hopefully a pencil, you know, we have got to really invest in per pupil spending. They deserve it. They deserve high quality education and it's going to cost us. Thank you so much. And one of the things we're also noting is just how much the pandemic has exacerbated inequities in our state. And what steps do you think as a state that we'll need to take after the pandemic um, to support our students? One of the things I love is I heard um, Andy Hargraves say we need to move from a uh, world of tragedy, pandemic tragedy, to a post-pandemic post transformation. I love that. We need to use this opportunity to do things differently. My vision is that every student will flourish. And I use the word flourish because we need to care about their well-being. We've been so focused on high-stakes testing, competition, you know, grading. Let's think about their health, their well-being, their physical needs, um, their, the arts. Like, I would really love us to use this as a moment to say, what does North Carolina care about? What do we value? And let's see it in our education system. That's so important. And I think one of the things related to that that we've been hearing about is just how important social and emotional learning is. And especially with the pandemic, we've been you know, hearing a lot of discussion of districts around SEL, but also trauma-informed efforts. And I wonder how you might approach those issues in our schools. So uh, my mom died in my arms 30 minutes before school one day, 30 minutes before school. Um, my father left with her and the paramedics, and I walked to school that morning. And I walked in because I knew my teachers were going to be a place where I would be safe. And I honestly probably thought they were going to 
you know, help me fix it, right, as 14 years old. Um, there are so many students like Jen, and maybe they didn't just lose their mom, but they are walking into school because they need someone to guide them. Um, I didn't have, I mean, my teachers were great, but I didn't have counseling. I didn't have resources. Um, teachers didn't really know how to help me, right? Um, I, at UNCG, my students next week are taking the ACES course uh, through someone at state uh, so that they are a little bit more knowledgeable as they go into student teaching about ACES and, and adverse childhood experiences, but I've lived them. And so we have got to have nurses, school psychologists, social workers, um, guidance counselors. We have to train teachers on what do you do when Jen walks in and says, my mom just died. Um, it happens and it, it could be a million different things that our kids experience, but they're human beings who are experiencing a lot of trauma. And you mentioned exacerbating, the pandemic's gonna exacerbate that as well, right? Um, so we need to have a plan in place. I don't have the plan all in my head, but we need to have it by day one if I win, um, because that is so important to me. Um, I would like to ask you to share just a little bit about, um, you know, when I think about everything going on, we're also seeing resilience and ability to persevere during the pandemic from our families, our communities, our students, our educators, and our school and district leaders. And um, you know, they certainly give me hope for what's to come. And so I'd love to ask you, what gives you hope for education in our state? I guess it's uh, the students and the educators, uh, but mostly educators. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound a little boastful, but one of them called me and said, my friends and I said, you have to win because you give us hope. One out of three teachers are thinking about leaving because of the pandemic, because of circumstances. They need to see change. They need to know that someone's in there who is going to say, you know, the way we're treating teachers isn't okay. And because they support me and they hug me and they uh, lift me up, I want to do that for them. And that's what I plan on doing. Thank you so much. And I want to take a moment to once again appreciate all your efforts in running for office and also taking time out of your very busy schedule to be with us today. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank serving others, enriching lives. We are so pleased to be joined today by Katherine Truitt, the Chancellor of WGU North Carolina, and also our Republican candidate for State Superintendent. Welcome, Katherine. Thanks so much, Mary Ann. I'm, I'm really happy to be here with you today. Thank you. And we know that North Carolina faces many challenges in education. And I wonder if you would share with us the top three issues that you will want to address if you are elected as our next state superintendent? So the first one for me has to do with literacy. We unfortunately are a state that has not been able to crack the nut on ensuring that all students, regardless of race, ethnicity, and income level, are able to read headed into fourth grade, which is crucial because students are reading to learn, move from learning to read to reading to learn, and then headed into ninth grade, um, which is critical as we think about preparing students for post-secondary success. In fact, only less than a third of our Hispanic students are reading proficiently headed into high school, and only 14% of African-American students are. So that's job one. Also, I believe that our school accountability system needs to be fixed. It's, it's broken. Uh, we need to, um, we do need to prioritize accountability, but I also believe that we need to um, have a, achievement and growth as two standalone measures. 
and remove punitive um, actions against schools that are able to grow students, but maybe um, are not quite at that achievement level yet. Um, and then the third thing I would say is our funding system needs to be changed. The Westhead report is very clear that um, before we can begin to fix our inequities, we have to look at the unintended consequences of some of our funding policies. Thank you so much for sharing those clearly critical issues for us. And we're gonna dive in a little bit um, some more here. So we know that teachers are the number one school-related factor that affects student outcomes. And we're hearing so much about shortages in North Carolina, but also nationally, as well as about gaps in teacher pay. How would you propose that we address the challenges we face to make sure that every student has access to an excellent teacher? One of the major um, pieces of research that came, came out a few years ago um, is called the MANA report. And this report was really the first um, piece of research to quantify the value of a good building leader, a good principal. And teachers, regardless of what kind of school they're teaching in, will stay at a school if there is an excellent leader in that building. And so I want to be laser focused on principles, which includes um, fixing our principal pay schedule, by the way, but also things like um, we need to be creative about the way that we're recruiting teachers into low income areas. Um, I visited uh, Warren County where we've got uh, an, a, a, a former resident of that area who is rehabbing apartments for teachers to come, new teachers to come and stay and, and live very inexpensively. Um, innovations like that. And then for our veteran teachers, um, we've, we've got to expand the advanced teaching roles program, let veteran teachers earn more money for, uh, for mentorship and providing professional development, things like that. Um, but we do need to continue to improve. You know, teachers in North Carolina have gotten pay raises for the last five years and we're not done yet. We need to continue to advocate and get more teacher pay raises and really talk about teacher compensation uh, with the whole, what the whole compensation package is, including um, benefits and, and health care benefits and retirement. I wonder how you would prioritize, and I think you've already mentioned a little bit, but the areas identified in Leandro. Yes. Um, I, I don't know that I would, that I agree with what Judge Lee's prioritize, what, what he prioritized, um, because I think that it's not really reflective of what's happening with, with COVID. Um, I, I would, um, I love the division action plans that the State Board of Education voted unanimously to approve yesterday, uh, because they involve um, allocating dollars to professional development for teachers around remote instruction, which is here to stay even when kids go, go back to school, um, putting money into uh, social emotional learning and trauma informed practices. We've got to have teachers trained in that as well as culturally responsive um, uh, responses to things like discipline parodies and and uh, things like that. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that there needs to be more collaboration in determining what this first step looks like with our Leandro spin, but certainly for me, early literacy has gotta be included in that. 
I know currently our average per pupil expenditure effort as a state is approximately $3,000 below the national average. And I wonder how you think the current state of our public school investments affects students, teachers, and schools in our state, and what might you recommend? When I look at how we are appropriating money in our state, what I see is that rather than looking at the average per pupil expenditure, that we need to be looking at where those dollars are going and how they are being spent. Because the truth, Marianne, is that over the last 35 years, no matter how much money we've spent or not spent, and no matter which party has been in charge, we still have not moved the needle on education outcomes for our most vulnerable students. We are stuck with these low achievement rates um, with um, low income and students of color. So we need to be looking not just at our inputs, but at our outcomes as well, and figure out what, what are we doing wrong? Um, what needs to change? We can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a, a different result. But right now we are funding English language learners, low income students and exceptional children at a rate of 33% more than children who do not fit into those categories. And I wanna see more, uh, more efforts around how we're spending this money and making sure that we have targeted investment strategies rather than blanket. One more thing we've been hearing a lot about is the importance of social and emotional learning with in-person or remote instruction. And it feels like all of this has just become more to light with the pandemic. And I wonder how you would approach SEL or trauma-informed efforts with, as if you are elected as superintendent, but also as we come out of the pandemic eventually. Yes. So I, I, I really like that the, the State Board of Education is prioritizing some of the things that you just mentioned. About four and a half million dollars has been allocated to the district school transformation team at the Department of Public Instruction, which is a, a division that I've said in the past publicly needs to be uh, reinvigorated, quite frankly, and, and better funded. Um, and so I, I would love to see that organization provide PD to our leaders in the building because that's the most efficient way to do it. And they need to then share that, those practices around trauma-informed practices, culturally relevant teaching. Um, and then we need to figure out again, how do we localize um, those efforts so that all building leaders and teachers have access to this information. Thank you so much. And um, I would like to ask you to share just a little bit about, um, you know, when I think about everything going on, we're also seeing resilience and ability to persevere during the pandemic from our families, our communities, our students, our educators, and our school and district leaders. And, um, you know, they certainly give me hope for what's to come. And so I'd love to ask you, what gives you hope for education in our state? I I love visiting out of the way places. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I went to, to Warren County a couple of weeks ago, and I also went to Halifax County too on that visit. And I, I love stumbling across innovations that are happening in these out of the way places that we don't read about, that we don't hear about, that are not reported on. Uh, and, um, and then having the opportunity to bring that innovation to a larger audience 
because one of the roles of the state superintendent is to scale innovation. And I, I, knowing that those innovations are out there, just waiting for us to find them really gives me hope. Thank you so much. I want to appreciate first um, you being with us today, but also I just so value those who are willing to run for office in our state at a time that is so important. And um, just thank you for spending time with us today, Catherine. And after this, the final word. I want to begin by thanking Dr. Jen Mangram and Catherine Truitt for being with us today and running for statewide office. Our democracy needs more than ever public servants who are committed to serving in challenging yet incredibly important leadership roles, and it's a significant undertaking to run for office. Thanks again to you both. Speaking of running for office, we as North Carolinians have a critical role to play right now as well, and that's making sure each of us has a plan to vote in this fast approaching election. We are fortunate in this great state to have multiple ways to safely vote this year including taking advantage of absentee voting, early voting at designated sites, and voting on Election Day, November 3rd, at your local polling place. Here in North Carolina, if you haven't registered to vote, you still have some time. The deadline is October 9th. You can register online, in person, or by mail if it's postmarked by that day. There are also processes in place for same-day registration if you miss that deadline. And once you are registered in many locales across the state, you can early vote between October 15th through the 31st. To learn more about voting in this election and to download a sample ballot so you can research the candidates in advance, visit the North Carolina State Board of Elections website at www.ncsbe.org. One of the topics we discussed today with the candidates vying to lead the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction is the importance of investing in our state's public schools. North Carolina has a constitutional obligation to ensure every child has access to a sound basic education. And throughout the decades that the Leandro case has spanned, multiple decisions have found that this constitutional right has been denied to our children for far too long. Much of what has impeded our children's ability to benefit from a sound basic education is tied to the lack of resources. The harm that has resulted from this lack of resources can be seen in the connection between a lesser qualified teaching workforce that we have today than what it was more than a decade ago and the overall disinvestments we have witnessed in teacher preparation, salaries, and professional development over time. It can also be seen in the disinvestments we have made over the past five years to school turnaround efforts for our lowest achieving schools and districts. These are a couple of examples of critical resources our state's leaders are required to address and fortify, and as quickly as possible. Last month, Judge David Lee, who now oversees the Leandro case, signed a consent order that details the first steps in an action plan that would ensure our state finally meets our constitutional obligation. The plan lays out minimum investments in educator preparation and compensation, high quality early childhood education programs, turnaround strategies for low-wealth schools and districts, post-secondary counseling services for students in low-wealth districts, and a finance model that is modified to address adequacy, equity, and efficiency in how public dollars are spent on our schools. Judge Lee made clear as he signed this order that our state must press forward toward ensuring our children have equitable access to a high-quality education, even as together we face unexpected mountains to climb thanks to COVID-19. The timeliness and importance of this action plan cannot be understated, 
and these investments will ultimately serve to take important steps toward addressing the systemic inequities that exist for so many of our students, especially students of color and low-income students. I appreciated hearing from both candidates today about their support and focus areas for the Leandro Plan. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.